generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy, too. My name is Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I am Asian. My name is Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm black. I'm Chris. I'm white, and I use he, him pronouns. Uh, And here we are in our second ever live Juneteenth anniversary episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was a good cheer. I, I apologize, Chris, for giving you crap about that. <laughs> it works. It totally works in a live format. I'm skeptical in general. So that that's was right. That's bad on me. Um, you know, send some applause icons in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that. Um, so it, Bethany, is Juneteenth the actual anniversary of our podcast? No. It's not. But the people didn't need to know that. I don't. I don't. I, when you proposed that last year, I was like, "Did it? Is that true? Did it really work Andrew, out that way?" No. I can't believe you forgot our anniversary. Mm. I actually have no idea what day it was that we first recorded, but it was sometime that. around this year. Yeah, it was June ish. Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's our anniversary. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, why not? Uh, mm-hmm. So last year we did the same thing. We recorded remotely online. We were just a few months into pandemic times and just a few weeks into, well, just a, a couple weeks into what was a pretty volatile time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, we're, we're still kind of dealing with that now. George Floyd had just happened. There were demonstrations and protests all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our podcast blew up. Yeah, it had just exploded um, over that weekend yeah that was nuts and when that happened we were like this will probably be the last time we ever have to record live do a live thing and look at us in 2021 2021 again it's kind of i you know we we know i don't remember ever having a discussion about whether we would do this live in person or or live over the internet we just all assumed (laughs) it would be on the internet isn't that right yeah this is weird how like norms have changed we just kind of assumed it would be like it's more convenient on zoom i really want to do it in person next year and have definitely. like m squad like tamron hall has mm-hmm. like you know do you guys know tamron hall no i don't know what you're talking about she comes <laughs> on two hours after good morning america oh god morning america from seven to nine and then from nine to ten it's kelly and ryan and then wow. 11 it's tamron hall how is it that you watch half of minari but you can recite the whole schedule for what happens two hours after Good Morning America. Yeah. I really enjoy my morning television shows. I'm into it. Okay. Also, did you watch the rest of Minari, Beth? Not yet, but I want to. I serious? am going to watch it, I promise. Oh, Beth. So this is the problem with movies with me. I can't sit still. This is why I also can't read books. I have to listen to it on audio. So for me to sit still and watch a movie, that's really hard for me to do. Mm. So that's the issue with Minari. I got halfway through it and then I think I started gardening or something. That does make sense. I mean, like, right. Morning shows are a lot easier to just have as background. In and out, in and out. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're already running late, so we might as well jump right into this, huh? Mm-hmm. Should we? Um, so uh, we like to start off our podcast, uh, because this is a podcast, <laughs> um, by talking about stuff we wish we had mentioned in previous episodes or want to correct from previous episodes. Um, the one thing that I wanted to mention is in the last episode where we were talking about, um, gender roles and women in the church, I referenced a feminist theologian and i was referencing the name of the theologian is valerie saving who wrote an influential essay in 1960 that kind of kick-started that field of feminist theology mm. so that's the name of that theologian nice um i wanted to follow up with um the thing i was into last time which i hadn't actually started reading yet so i lied a little bit Um, But I have been reading um, a book of poetry by Jericho Brown called The Tradition. And Beth, I thought of you when I saw this poem. 
Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little outdoorsy. Um, it's a lot of things. Um, it starts off being about a garden. In any case, um, can I read it? Yeah. Cool. Um, my mother grew morning glories that spilled onto the walkway toward her porch. Because she was a woman with land who showed as much, who showed as much by giving it color. She told me I could have whatever I worked for. That means she was an American, (laughs) but she'd say it was because she believed in God. I am ashamed of America and confounded by God. I thank God for my citizenship in spite of the timer set on, on my life to write these words. I love my mother. I love black women who plant flowers as sheepish as their sons. By the time the blooms unfurl themselves for a few hours of light, the women who tend them are already at work. Blue. I'll never know who started the lie that we are lazy, but I'd love to wake that bastard up at four day in the morning, toss him in a truck and drive him under. God passed every stop in America to see all those black folk waiting to go to work for whatever they want. A house, a boy to keep the lawn cut, some color in the yard. My God, we leave things green. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. So speaking of previous episodes, today is Juneteenth, uh, which is now a federal holiday. Yeah. What? Remember uh, I said last year for our like spoiler or not, what is it called? Teaser that mm-hmm. like Juneteenth, which should be recognized as a national holiday. <laughs> and now it's recognized and, and it's I am not excited. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's your profit testing at work again. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about let's talk about that because it's Juneteenth where we want to talk about two things for the fact of Juneteenth and also the what our team what our team is doing in terms of uh, kind of a step toward uh, reparations that we're calling mm-hmm. the Juneteenth Jubilee wealth redistribution. But it is we are um, it is Juneteenth and um, the federal government did make it a holiday yesterday. And the sentiment has generally been that just kind of a big. uh, hmm. So, Beth, why don't you tell us why it is that you're not excited? Yeah. So if folks aren't familiar with what Juneteenth is, Juneteenth is a holiday that commemorates um, the southern slaves getting the information that they were emancipated. The Emancipation Proclamation went out in 1863. The Confederacy was like, you know, F that. We don't care. We're the Confederacy. Um, Then the Union won the war. And in 1865, um, enslaved African-Americans in Texas were given the information that they were free on June 19th of 1865. So that is the history of Juneteenth. Um, And I am not feeling excited about it being recognized as a federal holiday because, and I think I said this in an episode before, white people ruin everything. And I'm just like, (sighs) Juneteenth is such a like sweet and like low key holiday amongst like black community members Mm -hmm. that I'm really, really afraid to see what Juneteenth becomes now that, white folks are accepting mm-hmm. it um and once capitalism gets a hold on it because i oftentimes feel like white america does not accept things unless they can make money off of it so i'm just waiting to see how commercialized um juneteenth becomes now so mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like a loss actually mm. yeah Got- i totally get that um the thing about I think the tension, one of, one of the tensions that we might be feeling there is. I feel like uh, Ricky Bobby. Do you guys remember him in Talladega Nights when he didn't know what to do with his hands? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I keep going like this. Then I put my hands in my lap and I can't, I can't figure out what to I do. I have the live stream on, on my like other this, screen. Totally and I, just, I just feel like I look really awkward. I just feel like I fidget a lot. Yeah. I'm not it's used to being thing, on camera. Right. It's one thing to record this when it's just the three of us, but to mm-hmm. be live Mm -hmm. i just don't know what to do yeah that's why we're a podcast (laughs) Uh, um yeah i totally get the tension that you're talking about beth i think that the difficulty here is that i think for those of us for those for those of us who see ourselves as part of a radical movement there's always Mm -hmm. a tension when when we think to ourselves i mean i think there's a tension to thinking of ourselves as american 
there is. Yeah, we because when the federal government, like just what like what Frederick Douglass says, what to the slave is the fourth of July. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean when the federal government encompasses this thing which is revolutionary and makes it a federal thing? You know, mm-hmm. kind of like Jesus is, Jesus has this, Jesus has this um he he has this woe against the Pharisees where he says, um, you killed the prophets and then and then you you built monuments for them. And in so mm-hmm. doing you validate what your ancestor did his ancestors did when they killed the prophets mm-hmm. kind of feels like what America does. Like it, mm-hmm. it kills these prophets and then it make names holidays. And then we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And then we celebrate Juneteenth. Um, um, and it's, and it feels weird. Um, and it also feels really surface level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, everybody's going to appreciate a day off. I sure did. But to celebrate the liberation of black people without affording black people their full liberation mm-hmm. is a is it's kind of i don't know it feels like a joke to me like yeah yeah i want juneteenth to be a federal holiday but i also want there to be recognition that black folks deserve reparations i also want us to like start working against this and we're going to talk about this more but like start working against this wealth gap that we very clear we see we see black people get paid less we see black people have less access to wealth um so yeah america you have a lot to clean up you can't just give us a day off and like i don't know it feels like a a party i saw me said that a pizza thing I'm I'm thinking just about like Andrew, you, you brought in like the um the the traditions that like Christianity is founded on and, and and you know like that Jesus comes out of and like his his people the 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 Jewish people have holidays but they're very like they're like there's prescriptive actions you take in each holiday right like um it's not just important to take the day off there's there's like there's ways to commemorate mm-hmm um, the, the day, um, based on what happened. Um, there's, um, prayers, there's, um, there's, there's ways you eat your meal in a certain order. Like there's, there's a way to like, keep remembering the reason you're doing this in the first place that when you just like rubber stamp a holiday in America, um, with, with no context, um, yeah, like it's just a matter of time before it becomes like another day where like cars go on sale. Hmm. That's a great point. Uh, in the Jewish tradition, you know, a good deed, a mitzvah, a commandment, there are three categories for why, for the, why these commandments exist. And one of the categories for these commandments is the adot, you know, rem, rem, the, the, it's a commandment that helps us remember. So mm-hmm. the holiday that exists, you know, in Jesus's time in, in the Jewish tradition, isn't just there for, the, for its own sake, it's there to help the people remember. Um, where they came from and the things that happened and the ways that God delivered them. So, yeah, I totally agree. And going back to what Beth is saying, I mean, the truth is like Juneteenth is now a federal holiday and more people know about it than ever. And we're in this weird, like new environment where last year George Floyd happened. There's um, this idea of racial injustice and the wealth gap and police brutality is now more Mm -hmm. visible than it ever was. And so is the idea of reparations. So, I guess what I'm interested in exploring a little bit um, is this idea of how we can take advantage of this, how we can be pragmatic about this. And I think one of the things that our team has done that I'm really excited about that we're kind of kicking off with this episode is something that is quite pragmatic. Um, Beth, do you want to tell us what that is? I do, but I want to go back to something that Chris just said. Sorry that sure. I let you do that much of an intro. <laughs> I, that was a, I, you just, my seg, Beth. I know. I really messed up your segue. Sorry it's about okay. that. It's <laughs> okay. You sounded so seg. good, I didn't want to in- interrupt you. Oh, oh. It's cool. Respond to in- Chris. The interesting point that you're making about holidays being being almost rituals, like a ritualistic practice, is that I don't think there are any American holidays or any holidays that America takes part in that isn't just honored with capitalism. You know what I mean? Like the way we honor holidays in America is capitalism. So I think, and like America does not like to name things, right? Like America has for hundreds of years refused to name the sin of slavery. I mean, our vice president, who is a woman of color, 
said that America is not a racist country. It's that denial of the truth that would make it impossible for America to eat, to ever really properly commemorate a holiday. So I just want to throw that in. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that. I I was just sitting back thinking about, so that being true, you know, like that, like different holidays capitalize on different segments of the market. What is the market we're, we're trying to corner here with Juneteenth? Like who stands to profit? Yeah. I don't think that we should look at holidays as something that's like, that has a target market or neither do I. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess Chris, what you're, is what you're saying? Like what do the powers that be have to gain by recognizing Juneteenth? Is there something sinister behind it? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I just share in the suspicion that like a market will rise out of this holiday. Um, no, I don't. I don't know of it, like a specific uh-huh. group of you, you know, like that the the trend of things that have been made like yeah. official, ten, they tend toward the status quo. Is that because I think that is that what you're saying? I think I get that. Yeah, yeah. Like how Martin Luther King Jr. Day has become like community service, and part of that mm-hmm. is good, but part of that just reinforces, uh, just de-emphasizes the radical nature of Dr. King, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Similarly, like if all we do with Juneteenth is recognize that, like, oh, abolition happened, hooray. Then that de that de radicalizes that. That's not mm-hmm. that's not necessarily what we're interested in. Mm-hmm. Right. What we're interested in is how can we radicalize people more? How can we take advantage of this Freedom Day, uh, to um. <laughs> how can I hope we take it's advantage? Not on fire. <laughs> I know, Chris. I hope your house isn't on fire. Um, how can we take oh, advantage in of this house? Is that actually a fire alarm? Yeah, it's, it is. It's but there must be sensitive. Wow, it's very loud. This is going to be oh on the recording. Apologies to everyone. <laughs> and Chris is getting up to address that. And hopefully the next thing we see isn't his room consumed by flames. <laughs> That's not what we're going to see. They're probably making like fish sticks in the in the oven or something like that. You know what? I feel like what America is going to try and do is make Juneteenth like a pre-July 4th where there will be like things Mm -hmm. on sale to celebrate and all that jazz. No, I don't want beer on sale for Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. I don't want hot dogs on sale for Juneteenth. You know what I want? Bundles on sale for Juneteenth. Hair, it's very expensive. Make Mm -hmm. it, make the market, make the things that are on sale should be for black people, right? Mm. So give me some bundles for half off, right? That's <laughs> uh-huh. that's what I want for Juneteenth. Yeah. Make give me discount. I don't know. Um, church's chicken is good. Give me discount that. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that would actually honor the black community, <laughs> not like a hot dog sale. <laughs> discount church's chicken. They already give you an excessive amount not, of fries. Not churches. Um, so I, should we seg into the next thing while Chris is putting yeah. on a fire? I can introduce our campaign. All right. I'm excited to do that. So why don't you, ex- why don't you introduce our campaign here? Yeah. All right. So sorry, folks. Uh, Andrew gave us an amazing segue early. I messed it up, but our church is really always looking for radical ways to follow Jesus. And one of our friends that leads Circle Peacemakers wrote a blog post a few months ago talking about how the church um, can be radical again. Um, Our friend Rand Williamson that leads that team. And that article really stuck out to me because there was one point in which he said um, the church is responsible for looking at systemic oppressions and responding to it. And that made me and our team think of ways that we can respond to the systemic oppression of Black people in America, but specifically those that we're in covenant with, right? Those that we're in the church community with. So we've decided to do a radical Jubilee wealth redistribution campaign. So folks from within the church and outside, if you're somebody that doesn't go to Circle of Hope and you're watching this and you want to donate, leave a comment and we'll figure out how to connect to you. But our goal is to respond to the systemic injustice 
um, of Black folks having not received um, restitution, really, um, for the labor that we have done for centuries to build this this country um, as enslaved persons. So we are trying to respond to that by raising $20,000 to redistribute to our Black covenant members, the folks that we're, again, in community with. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited about that. You want to add anything else, Andrew? Uh, yeah, kind of. You know what my first reaction to this was when I heard that our team was doing this? What's that? It was skepticism. <laughs> I'm sure, Andrew. It was deep skepticism. And I'm one of the reasons that I didn't want to listen back to our reparations episode was because I was afraid of what I was, what the opinions that I expressed when we recorded that like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Because I remember you talking about how people had just Venmoed you money when you jokingly at said like Venmo me fifty dollars, <laughs> Venmo your black friend fifty dollars, and then people right. started sending you money, and that's what really sparked mm-hmm. the first idea of it in my mind. Remember, I started talking about it then. I was like, if random people wanted to just give me money, I wonder mm-hmm. if we could get a collective of people together to redistribute to a lot. Both. Yeah. And I think what I said was, I can see the headline now, white church play, pays black people to be a part of the church. <laughs> I think that's what I said. Yeah. That's what I. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to, when I heard the team was doing this, I was like, all right, this is what the team wants to do. But also, like, I was aware of all the kind of I, there were pitfalls that I was afraid of, like mm-hmm. that, like this is based around guilt, like it's going to create and like it's going to create awkward situations it's uh it's just going to be a way for people to alleviate their their bad feelings and then move on you know um but i don't know in chris um you're white (laughs) chris you're white what was your initial reaction to hearing that that we were going to do this as a church um terror I like Mm -hmm. here's what's going on for me when I think about this is that money really like there's a lot of things tied together like and with like money as the thing holding all of it and just like I have had all these feelings thinking about like wealth redistribution that have to do with like never getting my money back Mm -hmm. um and like um and, and like really these like feelings of like loss and poverty and scarcity have been, I've, I've been feeling that a lot. Mm. Um, like on paper, really excited about wealth redistribution, love the story and acts where the church comes together. And that's like one of the first things they do is, is they, is they level out and, and share everything in common. When I think about doing that though, I'm scared. Interesting. What are you you're afraid of not being able to get that money back? I'm I'm um yeah, like my my money is 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 like it's keeping me comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. what does the Bible say? Where your money is, your your heart is. Yeah. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. Yeah, right? and I'm all about comfort. Uh, yeah, I I I definitely hear that. I mean the I don't what, know why Andrew can uh, corrected the Bethany version of the Bible. Uh, I don't know why I did either. That was pretty great already. I apologize for correcting. It's not like where your money is, your heart is, is like a, a worse translation than your treasure. That's, so I apologize for that. Bethany you still like has that, to come Andrew? out with her. You still have to come out with that Bible paraphrase. Everybody's still waiting on that. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. Yeah, I Chris, I hear what you're saying. And I think that honestly, uh, the fact that the church does that the church enacts wealth distribution in the book of acts but not only that but our church specifically every week when we're talking about sunday giving our church talks about alternative ways to live and alternative ways of seeing our money and alternative ways of being alternative economies you know so i think what what kind of turned it around for me was this recognition that this is already what we do we mm-hmm. already do this on a week to week basis when we give to right. the church and when the church, you know, when the compassion fund, when the common fund, uh, when, when we re- when we redistribute this money, we already do this and we already ask people to do this on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, like when people give their money, it is in some way, it's a step toward 
the economy toward the kingdom of heaven that we're trying to build. It's not the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, in some ways it's a symbol of, of this bigger thing that we're trying to be a part of. Um, so even as we're doing it, even whether we're giving to the Juneteenth uh, Jubilee wealth redistribution, or we're giving to the common fund, we recognize that this is inadequate, you know, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. a way to change our hearts and it's a way to, to change, to be part of something. It's a, it's a symbol or it's a sign, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also radical in this way that I feel like white church, white churches oftentimes give a lot of money to black and brown countries like across the world, but they can't really recognize and honor, you know, their near siblings that are black. Mm. And I think committing to redistributing wealth and, um, working for justice for the people that you've like chosen to be in community with and have chosen to be um, peers with, right? Mm -hmm. Equal. There's no hierarchical dynamic like when churches give to, to, you know, poor or not poor countries, but like poor cities in Africa, right? Like, no, you're redistributing wealth to somebody that you have to look at as a peer. And what does that bring up in you? And what do you need to examine there? Yeah. And when we're talking about reparations or restitution, we're not just talking about uh, it's not charity. You know, we're not talking about somebody who is in need because of a hurricane or something and and who we need to get them back on their feet. We're talking about somebody who has been wronged and who deserves who has a right to be made whole. Mm -hmm. Um, So what they receive is not charity. What they receive is due to them. Yeah. Um, Right. Because of. this system of white supremacy that has created this wealth gap. And we're looking as an institution at what are ways that we have been part of that? What are ways that our brothers and sisters are owed what they have been robbed of? Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is a step toward that. You know, that's why what I I really admire about our team is that they've been careful not to say that this is reparations at best Tess is like, this is a step toward reparations. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. Yeah, I actually think that's a really important distinction because I keep using the language of reparations, but yeah, it's a step towards it. It's our church, yeah, taking that first step. And I Mm -hmm. also kind of recognize, I'm thinking of the skepticism that you mentioned earlier, Andrew. Mm -hmm. I forgot that you said you could see the headlines, but Mm -hmm. I also want our church to, and those that we're in broader community with, to take kind of radical chances yeah anti-racist you know what i mean like maybe this will flop maybe we'll only get like a thousand dollars or something um maybe people will get really angry about it but Mm. i think like working that out and wrestling with one another in community is important yeah yeah not totally i'm sure i could end up being pissed off and be like why did i say that on the podcast but Right now, I feel like it's necessary. No, Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. Uh, there is one thing I wanted to ask before we move on here. Um, Beth, when I was looking at the planning docs for this, I, I realized that you had, that you specifically mentioned that you've taken yourself out of, you're not going to receive anything because you're part of the planning committee. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about why it is that you made that choice? It's interesting. I have mixed feelings about it. I mm. think my instinct was to take myself out of it in case somebody like accused me of initiating this campaign just to benefit from it. Mm. But when I thought about that. I don't I don't think anybody we're in community with is that feels that way about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But it felt like the right decision to make. Um, mm. And I want to. I want to serve my community members. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. Hmm. I really, I respect that you're trying to protect our community by making that choice, even mm-hmm. though I, I don't think that was necessarily a choice that you had to make. Um, I, I just yeah. thought that was interesting when I was looking at that. Yeah. What do you think about it? What do you mean? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm thinking about how, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I, I expected you to be part of it, but I also, also the i don't i also am don't want people to be like i'm giving this to bethany and of course all right. the donations and the recipients are anonymized right so um i don't know 
I, I admire that choice. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still processing it, which is why I was kind of curious about it. I yeah. think I came from it from yeah. an angle of like being a black woman in America that like is always having to deal with that like welfare queen like type of like like black people mm-hmm. are always trying mm-hmm. to get free money. So yeah. as even as we're talking about it right now, I'm like, actually, why did I make that decision? Like, mm-hmm. did I make that decision strictly from a place of racialized trauma? I might have. Yeah. But- well, if that is why you made that decision, uh, I hope yeah. I hope that you unmake it. I, I, I because Maybe I really want about this before talking about it on the podcast. We should have talked about it. I don't know. Else. We've I, I totally understand it. I totally understand you making this decision for the sake of all righteousness. At the same time, like I do think that we uh, as a church and also we as, uh, you know, the also the black covenant members around in, mm-hmm. within among us should see this as um, as a right as as if someone has been hurt someone has been damaged and they have a right to restitution yeah uh, so i you know so it's not about again it's not about charity it's not about that welfare queen stereotype it's about what you're owed um so i don't know that probably we'll have further conversations um yeah we should yeah but um let's move on to our next segment here which is uh which is our, 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 um, are we allowed to say favorite Egyptian? <laughs> no, we say favorite. <laughs> we no longer say that. Favorite, favorite guest of, um, and an ongoing. Did we ever, did we ever talk to Johnny about how, um, Johnny, feel free to hop on whenever, whenever you, whenever you get the chance. We'll <laughs> just Johnny vamp for times. a bit. We'll just vamp for a bit until you get here. But yeah. I remember on, the um on our group slack johnny was like i feel weird when you guys say favorite egyptian yeah we talked about it on a podcast Mm -hmm. yeah we did um and i'm glad he he did that and i'm glad we had that conversation because again like if somebody you know if my epithet was favorite taiwanese person i would probably feel some way about it hey johnny we did talk about favorite egyptian before yeah Mm-hmm. I muted the yeah. Facebook live when you said favorite. I was hoping you said pastor, not Egyptian. Well, you are my favorite pastor, personally. I am your pastor. That's good. <laughs> yeah, but you're also my favorite pastor. Of all time? Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give well, you there's been a lot of good pastors. Eh, I've, I've met good ones and, and okay ones. But I, I honestly think that Johnny, uh, not only is Johnny a good pastor, but I have seen Johnny... I feel like when I when I first started going to Circle of Hope, Johnny wasn't even a pastor. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Oh, just yeah. a homie. Yeah, right. And I and Johnny has kind of developed into a pastor, and really like, I don't know. I feel like you're a pastor. That's kind of weird, right? That changed. Do you remember that time I went to get a haircut on Temple campus and I ran out of money, so I called you? I don't remember that. What did I do? You paid for my haircut. How much was it? It was like fifteen bucks. Pretty good. Yeah. I have, I have no record. Johnny of all people. I don't know because he was my pastor. Wow, that's so yeah. beautiful. I know, right? Next time you're getting a haircut for 15 bucks, Bethany, you don't have the money, call me, okay? <laughs> that's all you get though, 15 bucks. <laughs> that's the cap. Like, no, why I already are you talked about the bundle sale that I want. So I'm going to hit you up when we get the <laughs> bundle sales. I'm going to have to take a line of credit out <laughs> for your haircut. <laughs> Um, so Johnny is, uh, Johnny is here as our, well, Johnny, as our pastor, uh, has also, um, we, I'm in the same, I'm in the same like group chat, Facebook group chat stuff as Johnny. Um, so I'm, I feel like I'm relatively plugged into kind of what you're thinking about to the things Uh, I'm thinking about. Yeah, that's right. So this is what I'm kind of curious about, because this has come up in a bunch of different discussions. Um, I'm thinking about how somebody, uh, has, somebody has the Facebook live up and it's, it's coming it's echoing a little bit. It's not yeah. me. Oh my God. Is it you? It's Chris. It Chris. It's his smoke alarm. It's the Facebook. Oh Come my on, Chris. God. I am the worst tonight. I'm sorry. I actually closed my window cause I could hear it, but it's <laughs> not coming from outside. You closed the one. You closed your window cause you could hear the smoke alarm. Cause I could hear the Facebook live, even though like oh. my phone's right here. <laughs> Oh, 
I always call smoke alarms cooking detectors because that's what they do when you. <laughs> that, that's what they're. That, that's what I they're uh, showing you. That's right. They're just that's telling true. on you, making a good meal. Mm-hmm. Um. So one of the things that we're thinking about with are the teams. Uh, Juneteenth Jubilee Wealth Distribution Project is this idea of embodying a way of living that is that is not yet here, but yet we want to kind of exist in right now. Um, and that way of thinking about how it all shakes out, uh, the fancy theological word for it is eschatology, right? That's right. Um, so I guess this is what I wanted to talk about with Johnny here how we think about the kind of Christian way of looking at history is this idea of God's, God's love expressing itself through history until, until it, it infuses our existence until it's everywhere. You know, when, until knowledge of the Lord is, is, uh, is as deep as the ocean or like the waters cover the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I want to talk about here. What are, in what ways is thinking about how it all shakes out, how we end up, useful to how we act now mm-hmm. how can it inspire us or even how can it maybe even hamper us because i i grew up thinking about the end of the world a lot and it messed me up why am i forgetting the um what's his name kirk cameron left behind. yeah why am i forgetting the movies left behind That's it. okay mm-hmm. it's interesting that um a lot of eschatological speculation, what it does is free us of responsibility mm. for the earth mm-hmm. and for around us because, because we're going somewhere new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't really matter. These worldly matters that we, that we, that we uh, care about ultimately don't because we're, because we're going to heaven and leaving this earth behind. Mm-hmm. But and, and that informs politics for what it's worth. That informs mm-hmm. climate change politics for evangelicals and for others, climate change deniers and things like that. But eschatology also informs my politics too, right? Um, because when Jesus says, when he tells his disciples how to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? On, on earth as it is in heaven. There it is. That's 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 what's happening. The kingdom of God is both here and it's coming and we're bringing it, revealing it in the earth right now. And we're also anticipating it. And and with the kingdom of God comes a uh, blessing and comes condemnation, loosing, mm-hmm. loosening and binding. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's both convicting, but also uplifting. And that yeah. definitely informs what we do now. I think that's so interesting that you mentioned how it informs people politically, because obviously the most obvious expression of that is how a lot of evangelicals, you know, don't care about the climate because mm-hmm. everything's going to burn anyway, or how a lot of evangelicals are weirdly obsessed with Israel because they are, they, you know, they adhere to a kind of eschatology that has certain promises about Israel and the rebuilding of the temple and all these other things that are supposed to happen. Um, I think a lot of people, myself and well, myself included at a certain stage of life, probably saw that and probably saw the influence of eschatology of thinking about the end of the world on my present life. And was like, not worth it, not worth thinking about. Um, but I think it's interesting, Johnny, that you said that um, it, it still informs how, your politics now, but you haven't thrown out this, this way of thinking. I mean, can you think of some ways that it, it does inform your current politics or how you live now? Yeah, a simple example is a world without violence, a world without um, sort of violent law enforcement, let's just say, to get a specific mm-hmm. for color correction, right? I'm mm-hmm. talking I'm talking about global peace, foreign policy, but also prison abolition, mm-hmm. right? Um, what you're going to hear the objection to prison abolition and Al Sharpton in 2014, when he was at Temple's campus and I was a loudmouth freshman, I asked him a question. I was doing it. I was reporting on his appearance because he was in the uh, Democratic you were pres- a freshman in college in 2014. Four. Did I say 14? Four. Oh, OK. Fact check. I, mean, I know. I, yeah. She's like, man, <laughs> you look pretty old. Um, 
in 2004, when Sharpton was in the Democratic primary, he visited Temple and I asked him, it was right after I read Angela Davis, Are Prisons Obsolete? And I said, hey, are you a prison abolitionist? And I was working for the Temple News at the time. And he goes, no, because some people need to be in jail. Mm-hmm. I believe in prison reform. I don't believe in prison abolition. That was interesting. Um, I think it, that's the attitude of a lot of that generation of black folks. Sure. You know, and and and, and my, yeah, my neighbors, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of I kind of live in that space um, that I understand the practicalities of what we need to do. But if I need to have a prophetic imagination for what's possible and the future God's kingdom coming um, and a new earth being established motivates me. So mm-hmm. it motivates me to believe in what seems impossible given our political circumstance and given our political economy. It shows me that something else is possible. Um, and we need that hope because the political imagination we've given, we've been given is so limited. And uh-huh. so um, it can really dampen our fire, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting as we're talking about this, I'm thinking of black folks and how <clears throat> black folks have a particular connection to the afterlife because there's this hope for relief in the afterlife, but at the same time, it affects how we respond in the right. present and how we respond to disempowerment. And I think that blacks, black folks, um, I don't want to use the word carelessness. I feel like it's carelessness in the evangelical church and how they relate to the earth and such. I feel like it's almost like a trauma response for black folks not to be too concerned with what's happening here because we're so systemically disenfranchised that we have to Mm -hmm. hold on to the ideal of of respite in the afterlife. Hmm. I mean, it's true that for a lot of people that suffer on earth or even people who are grieving, Mm -hmm. um, eschatology for them means uh, just heaven generally. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't let me think about this. Um, I mean, one of the things that I I find I found interesting on one of the group chats that we were in, Johnny, was your approach toward people who are kind of grieving or or suffering and are concentrating oh, yeah, sure. that way just... of thinking about heaven. I mean, mm. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, on one level, I totally understand how, like, if all we do is think about heaven, uh, that does encourage a kind of complacency or a kind mm-hmm. of like, uh, let everything burn. But on, the, on, on another level, um, I don't want to take anybody's comfort away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that theology has definitely developed all theology is contextual, right? And so we write theology based on um, our experience, our circumstance, even our immediate um, immediate circumstance. So if someone in grief needs to imagine an immediate afterlife for their lost loved one, like I'll give you an example that's, that's you know, if George Floyd's mom needs to believe that he's in heaven, right? George mm-hmm. Floyd's, like you got to allow for that. Mm-hmm. You know, getting theological with someone who's grieving isn't that helpful, you know, because what do you know anyway, by the way? Right. About the afterlife. You're still here. You're still on this side of it. So you really can't talk forcefully. Um, so I do allow for space for that because I understand that theology is people imagining God to meet their present needs. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, our issue is, you know, European men developed theology that was right. Mm-hmm. not contextual. And so now we think mm-hmm. of that. We, 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 um, you know, all non-white theology is contextual, but, and then all the white theology is objective. Mm-hmm. That that's a problem, right. In, yeah. in thinking. And so the reason I have my own thoughts, I have my own imagination. I know it's comforting to me. Um, and I know what works for me and I have to be plain about my own preferences that inform my theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and that self-awareness makes me a better theologian. Mm. doesn't make me a worse one, right? And so if people need to grieve the way they're grieving, you create space for that, you know? Um, right. 
because in that moment, if you're the only thing that makes sense is amplifying your love as much as possible for people that are suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And can I keep going? I know maybe I can't, but um, go for it. Yeah, do it. When you look at the passages in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament that depict a violent God, that's also contextual theology. That's Mm -hmm. a group of oppressed people wishing that their enemy is destroyed. Mm-hmm. that's what's informing that and right. you know miriam's song after uh the red sea crushes the egyptians is a song of celebration that her enemies have been plundered um and to walk into that room and say you're wrong for thinking this god isn't violent well what it, that's do, do you not see what they're experiencing do you not know why and I, i'm a peace person you know, I believe in the peace, nonviolent God, nonviolent don't the whole thing. Um, but I have to understand this is where you're coming from. So mm-hmm. that really helps me understand Christians around me and past generations as well. You know, and when they don't consider my context, then that's where the harm happens. Yeah. You know, so we can hold it together. Until one of us starts thinking that our view of God is the supreme one. Right. Um, I think that's the issue. I think that um, I can even understand white theology, even though I disagree with it. The issue with it is it, it, op- see itself. it, it oppresses me. It imposes itself upon me. It requires yeah. something. I mean, that's the that's where the violence mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. And that, that's such an inclusive and great way to think of theology as being us exercising our imaginations about God. Mm, uh, it mm-hmm. allows us to, that it legitimizes our own experiences of God, um, which I think is great. Um, should we leave it? Should we leave it there? We're running out. We're running late. Um, sounds yeah. good to me. I appreciate being on the call here, y'all. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for coming back. Yeah. yeah. Anytime, anytime. Love you guys. Love you too. Put me on the podcast. Why y'all ain't put me on resistance? Restore? <laughs> You're coming on. We're going to talk about reparations. Okay, Bethany, that's happening. Right. Resistance restore. Yeah, go to get our SoundCloud wherever you now have to do it. See, you did this to yeah. me. Um, no, do it. Be sure yeah, to follow yourself. our podcast, our sister podcast, Resistance Restore. Ben, Rachel, Julie, and I do it. Um, and we often have interesting guests. Future one is Bethany. And you know what? While you're while I'm talking to you, go back and listen to Melissa Flora Bixler's interview with me. Um, oh, on that her was book, so good. That was really on her was book, good. How to Have an Enemy. It's a great book. Highly recommend oh, yes. it to you. Um, and Chris Eden was on this last week talking about participatory defense. And then I asked him, what would you do if Derek Chauvin came to the participatory defense hub? Which was Johnny. That was that was low. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I love you, it. You I apologize. You told me all, all the questions. Was and great then radio. Hits me with that oh, one. Um, but no, no, I, I like I was thinking started... about the worst person. I thought, what if the worst person comes? And no, you, you know? I, that was great. And I'm still thinking about it. And I'm actually going to I'm actually like I plan on taking this to some of the other hub leaders and I'm going to write about it because it's such a great question. It is a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate your stress, though. I can relate. To that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <gasps> I'm talking for the whole movement right now. It was <gasps> good. It was good. So, yeah, resist and restore. And then you can find me at Johnny dot com. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thanks, Johnny. Bye. Thanks, Johnny. Talk about he put interesting people on the podcast. He <laughs> had you on the podcast, Andrew, and he's had Chris on the podcast. Uh, Apparently, I'm not an interesting person. Well, Beth, you got to work your way up, though. Like you, you, you have to see this as like a hierarchy. Like they're just preparing the way for the prophetess. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, we're just John the Baptist to you. That's right. We're just we're just the stepping <laughs> stones to get you there. Uh, he did refer to color correction as Bethany's podcast. <laughs> yeah, recently say that yeah i felt some kind of way about that <laughs> andrew quickly responded oh so it's bethany's podcast now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um chris yeah. you want to read the copy that tess wrote for us yeah yeah um so this is an important um commercial break i'm just i'm gonna read it that'll be the easiest thing for me to do if you've enjoyed listening to us help us reach more people there are two easy ways. First, give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And second, follow us on Instagram at 
Color Correction Podcast and interact with our posts and stories. Follows and interaction help the algorithm boost our page to more people. Like the book of numbers, like, begat, like, begat, like. Again, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Color Correction Podcast. All right. Wow, you're good at commercial break. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, so one of my favorite things that we do as a team is a turn up to bail out. And one of my favorite, probably my favorite artist last, uh, last turn up was Joy Ike. So who has just an incredible voice and was like playing her keyboard in that plant, in that beautiful plant filled sunlit room. Um, amazing it was incredible and we're so privileged to have her um and not live but have her she sent in a little thing that she recorded for us uh, as our musical guest um so brian are we ready with that i'm hoping that we are coming any second now okay you know what? I wish I had used uh, Joy's image from Turn Up to Bell Out for that essay that I wrote about gardening because mm-hmm. she had so many plants and stuff oh, no. in her background. She as she did. Was it was beautiful. It was she beautiful. Did. She's a she's a fun follow on Instagram. She's she's such a she is a literal joy. She is, yeah, for sure. Do you think we'll be able to have Turn Up in person this year? Ooh. Y'all, if you aren't going crazy in the comments right now, that is a fire starter right there. I definitely hope so. We're going to have Beyonce this year. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Solange. What a thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) JC's going to be there, but he's just going to be holding the yeah, Brian, we're 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 ready. So uh, um, without further delay. Yeah, let's do it. Hi guys, this song is called I Don't Know Anything and I wrote it about four or five years ago as a reminder to just stay humble and to not walk around as if I know everything and and therefore have a license to treat other people with less respect because they don't you know know as much as me Um, and we live in a culture now where that's just how we operate we say well I know more than you therefore I think that you should do this Um, therefore I think that you are less than because you don't think this in the way that I think this Um, and I wanted to share this song because it's kind of come up again for me as the the song of the year for me. Um, Even last year, things are playing out as as this year evolves and passes by. We're seeing that things that we thought we knew about 2020 aren't playing out the way that we thought they would. Uh, And that's life because you look back on life and you see that stuff changes. And then as time passes, you can make more informed decisions about what you thought you knew back then. Hindsight really is 2020. So I don't know anything is a reminder to stay humble and to not let your pride um, make you treat other people in a way that is disrespectful and unloving. Thanks for listening. Thank you. 
amazing i didn't look at it you're on mute by the way andrew wow, i didn't yeah. look at it before um tonight so i'm so glad that i got to watch it live oh a surprise that's nice yeah that was incredible um so that was amazing joy ike she is incredible uh find her at joyike.com find her music on spotify follow her on instagram she's touring again so oh, is she nice yeah, yeah. so she deserves everybody's attention um i isn't it amazing that she made us that video that she was recorded it for this thing yeah i feel super lucky uh yeah and that was incredible um so we like to close out our podcast by talking about whatever we're into this week uh beth you want to kick us off sure so tess made sure to tell me that i had to uh say this in one of the podcast episodes i am into Anthony Ramos, okay? <laughs> Anthony Ramos is fine as hell. 
He stars in, in The Heights, which is on mm-hmm. HBO Max. He's so cute. I was watching um, In The Heights and like live tweeting my crush on Anthony Ramos. So mm-hmm. I'm super into Anthony Ramos and gardening this week. Awesome. Anthony, uh, you out there. <laughs> um he is great he is he, he is great in that movie and that was such a fun movie too it was really fun yeah yeah bet you watched the whole movie didn't you beth i didn't i haven't seen the last 25 minutes oh well that's in keeping all right what that, that slides that are you serious five minutes i didn't expect to be put on the spot so that's why i acted like i knew it was a great movie i still need to watch the last 25 minutes the, you you really have to okay i don't feel so bad about you not having seen half of minara anymore this is just how you are no yeah. i really cannot sit still to do things watch <laughs> that last 25 minutes beth also la- watch the second half of minara you just gotta catch up on everything can, can we just can we beth how much daytime television have you been watching in the background while this podcast has been going on so what you're not gonna do chris <laughs> <laughs> me live okay <laughs> wow. uh all right chris what are you into um as a as a segue from gardening i'm so i'm i'm staying at my in-laws um little cottage in maryland we, i've been here for about a week um i've really just been into this place um and i've been taking a lot of pictures and little sound recordings of all the creatures like it's amazing how each day is different and there's something different happening at every hour of the day in the like flora and fauna of this place um i don't know if this is going to work i i can i can allude to things or maybe i can share my screen no i can't so in any case um maybe there'll be a different way that i can share the little animal sounds that i've that i um, I took in some of the, the photos I have been, I have thousands of pictures of hummingbirds. You guys, I became obsessed. You should give it to Tess and we'll put yeah. it on the, Instagram. totally going to give we'll it to you. It Tess. Yeah. That sounds really great. Yeah. Um, I have generally been feeling, um, a kind of, kind of, uh, kind of anxious and, and behind this pat this year, I guess. But one of the things that have, has given me an incredible amount of joy is the circle mobilizing team and Aww. everybody coming together to do this wealth mm-hmm. redistrib- redistribution project, which I, I mean, I'll like, I'm like, I, I said that I, when I first heard about it, I approached it with skepticism. And what I have learned from this is that I can trust my teammates to carry me forward and push me to a more comfortable place. Wow. Um, and like, cause like I was like saying to test, like, yeah, I'll review the materials with Wes. And then I was like, Wes, can I get those materials that you're going to send to cell leader facilitators and stuff? But my my ulterior motive was like, I need to read this so I can be convinced. <laughs> uh, it's like, I don't just need to proofread this. I need to read it and believe it. And yeah. I, I do believe it. And I'm incredibly privileged to be working with just the, all these radical people with Wes, with Tess, with Rebecca and Jennifer and, and Christy and Bryant and everybody who has lent their like logistical skill and their yeah, like theological absolutely. training um to, a really good team we have an incredible team and yeah. i love our team and i i really see god at work and it makes me feel really proud of 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 this team that i'm part of and this church that i'm part of um so, remember when it was just the four of us I me know. you chris and christy yeah yeah i do remember that we yeah it's been really yeah and and those four people are still here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah amazing so, um, yeah. Can I say something about the um, the wealth redistribution as it stands right now? Because yeah. it actually started today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Andrew and Beth, people have been donating. Um, we're almost at a thousand dollars just today. I sent the email at six o'clock. Yeah. Amazing. So, like so within three hours, we're almost at a grand. Um, incredible. So that is incredible. Yeah. It makes I'm me feel like this, this is a telethon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So the numbers are like moving behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we got to do next year. Um, so with that, that's our program for today. Um, program. I love yes. it. 
yeah. So special thanks to um, Bryant, who Woo! has been our live stream manager. Yeah, here. Bryant. Thank Bryant. you, Bryant. Um, a special thanks to uh, Tess Patino, our social media goddess, and Bartolomeo, yes. who uh, manages our website and does online streaming stuff. Um, and also, um, or, uh, normally to uh, Joe Mahoney, we'll be back in the studio soon. Um, Jared Selby does our theme song. And y'all, it is our second anniversary, and we're so excited. We've been doing this work with y'all for two years. Keep mm-hmm. on letting us know how you're Jesus following and being anti-racist by hitting us up on color correction. I mess it up every time, y'all. And Ooh. now we're live and I messed it up live. Colorcorrectionpodcast.com. Drop us a line and let us know how you're working out your faith in Jesus following. So yeah. with that said, for t- the last two years, stay black, Little Mermaid. Yes. that up right now all right, saying, we're now live on Facebook. waiting on YouTube, and I'm worried that they're going to be. I think that's us, though. Oh, that's just us watching. I think us. that's. I think that's yeah, us. it was three people. Us. It was us. Oh, good. All right, I, 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 I don't care. Nobody's watching us on YouTube. All right. Yeah. I was going to say, like, why? Why would they? Why would they what watch something on YouTube? Well, they like not us. They're not looking for us there. All right, y'all. I think we're live on Facebook. There's a new <gasps> link, unfortunately. But we are live, so <gasps> look at us. That's I see fine. us. I'll copy and paste that link into the chat. So Me you guys take it away. Me. Sorry yeah. for the technical hiccup. Yeah. A round of applause for Brian Burkhart. It's always super awkward when anybody does that on a streaming platform. <laughs> a round of we applause. Need a, we need a soundboard. We need to play the sound. I need to cut it in. There are three of us. We could have clapped right then. I guess that that's true. Uh, clapping makes me nervous on Zoom because you don't know how it's going to sound. That's going to sound terrible. No, you Beth, know how you it's in this. Can, we, can we hear we you? We are live right now. Why are yeah. we, we doing? We always <laughs> vamp before we record. Do you want to jump right into it? Huh? Should we just jump right into it? I think so because I think people are probably watching. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> and we're 10 minutes behind. Right. Okay. Um, here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs>